Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen classes and trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen class library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. Today is my great pleasure to welcome Danielle and Whitney, the co-founders and brains behind Sakara Life, the New York City-based meal delivery and lifestyle brand, which is not only sweeping the city by storm, but now America by storm. These are amazing women who've built a really powerful mission-driven business that's successful and encouraging people across America to eat more plants. Wonderful people and dear friends, and it's an honor to have them here today. Whitney and Danielle, welcome. Hi. Hi, Jason. Great to have you here. We've known each other for like four or five years now. I think it's been longer than that. And we met at Noe House when you had your your first space. Yeah. Desks, chairs. <laughs> I think the there was days. just three of us yeah. at that time. Tops. Yeah. You've well, known us from the beginning. I know. Congratulations. It's great to have you here. Thanks. Thank you. Excited. So let's go back to the early days. So you guys are friends from Sedona. Right. I think from- we've been friends for 19 years now. Oh, wow. That's more years knowing each other than not knowing each other. Mm-hmm. We grew up in Sedona, Arizona, which is this super hippie spiritual town. And, you know, now looking back, I understand how special it was. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we didn't know. We just thought eating chlorella tablets as snacks was <laughs> a normal. normal. Thing. Yeah. So how has growing up there like influenced your thinking and, and, and the idea and inspiration for Sakara? I think it's a really special place to grow up. You know, we were raised around people who were really open-minded, open-minded to the power of meditation, of Reiki healing. My father practiced Reiki healing. He was a developer and an architect, but then would go on Tuesday nights and practice Reiki with a Reiki master. I love it. And that's kind of the story of Sedona. Like anytime you go, like your waiter is a waiter, but he's also, you know, a tarot card reader or crystal it's healer. It's like the opposite of LA. Your yeah. waiter's an actor. In <laughs> yeah, Sedona, exactly. your waiter's a, a healer. A healer of some sort. Right. And so I think we were raised also with an open mind and an open mind towards the power of food as medicine, the power of nature, the power that your own body has to heal itself. Yeah, and also the power of thought that, you know, what you think actually uh, impacts not only your life, but your health. Mm -hmm. So I moved to New York City for college and then Whitney came after. Yeah, I moved out to work on Wall Street, which is very different from Sedona. Um, You know, went from meditating out on the Red Rocks and hiking and being out in nature where it's silent, where you can't even hear a bird cawing out in the distance, to busy New York, where it was 80-hour work weeks, go, 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 nonstop. Um, And I really just fell into that lifestyle where you have 15 minutes to find something to eat for lunch, Um, After work, you're going out, you're networking, you're drinking, you're eating the fried calamari. You know, it's always somebody's birthday in the office and uh, they're bringing in, you know, sandwiches and cakes and cupcakes (laughs) and free pizza Fridays, things like that. And uh, so you fall into that culture. And it started to take a toll on my body. I woke up one day and I was like, whoa, I'm 15 pounds heavier than I was just about six weeks ago. And my acne that I had been battling with since high school, since Danielle and I knew each other, was really at its worst. Big red cysts all over my face, painful. It was affecting my confidence, my career, my relationships, my dating life. And, you know, but I thought, 
I'm in New York City. There are the best of everybody here, the best dermatologists, the best doctors. Somebody is here. Somebody here is going to cure me. And so I set myself out on this mission to go cure my skin. And I would open up these magazines and just look inside and pick out, okay, here, this dermatologist is being quoted. He must be the best. Dr. Z. Did you see Dr. Z? Dr. Zigmore. Tempting. I know. I, I stared at him many a time thinking maybe I should <laughs> go out to Queens or wherever he is. But um, no, I ended up mostly on the Upper East Side sitting in these doctor's chairs. And, uh, you know, they all just had the same thing to say. They would give me an option. Do you want the prescription for the Accutane or do you want the prescription for the mega dose of antibiotics? Mm -hmm. And I had already done both of those. I did Accutane in high school. And, um, you know, along with the prescription for the Accutane, they give you Prozac because suicide is a common side effect. Whoa. They have you sign a contract that um, you'll be on two forms of birth control. Uh, so I was on synthetic hormone birth control on top of that. And a contract saying that if you get pregnant, you will have an abortion because your baby comes out with birth defects. And then you get your blood tested every week or every other week to make sure that the medication isn't destroying your liver. And I, I went through that and it dries out your skin, it, it dries out your whole body. And after you know an entire course of Accutane, I still had my acne. It didn't cure anything. And so when all of these dermatologists here in New York City were saying, you need to do it again, just do another round, um, something inside of me was saying, don't do it. Right. It's not the answer. Why are you gonna be creating a body that is a scary place to live in? Hmm. Hostile. Hostile. Mm -hmm. I wanna be developing a, a place that is healthy and safe, that I don't need to be scared of suicide thoughts and you know my right. liver going out on me. Sure. And so, you know, I, I remember having that moment sitting in that chair on the Upper East Side in the doctor's office and him, you know, spending six minutes with me and shoving two prescriptions at me and just saying enough, enough of, you know, feeling like I have no solution. I'm going to go and find my own solution. And at that moment, I decided to turn back to my Sedona roots and go and search for what that solution was, turn back to food and nature and my body for healing. Mm -hmm. And Thank I goodness. Thought, I know. And, you know, and so I thought the thing that came to mind was I need to detox the shit out of my body. <laughs> like that just, was also when juice cleanses were really popular. Yeah. So um, I decided I was going to do every cleanse and detox out there possible, <laughs> which was, you know, good thing because I was living with Danielle in Soho yeah. at the time, and she was the queen of cleanses. I was. Was the detox queen? You were. I've tried every single diet you can think of, from the master cleanse to I was a raw foodist. I was a vegan. I what was the worst one? Oh, we did that candida cleanse with uh, the garlic. Oh yeah, where we had to eat like eight cloves of garlic a day. We had no friends. Made, no made friends. You, made you very popular. Huh? <laughs> no friends whatsoever. But it's also very spicy and hard on your stomach. Yeah. But, you so know, wait, you just you just you ate garlic and that was it? You so chop them up. You chop up the garlic into little pieces and then eat it basically in a spoonful. And With then, some coconut oil. Yeah, some coconut oil, maybe some Ezekiel toast or something like that to calm <laughs> the you're lucky. fire burning in your stomach. <laughs> yeah. For dessert. Yeah, for dessert, the Ezekiel yeah, toast. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I had been dealing with pretty severe body image issues since I was a kid. And I think so many young women and more and more men deal with that as well. And because of that, I turned to diets. I didn't know what else to do if I wasn't happy in my skin. So every diet just led me to the next diet and they got more and more extreme. So, you know, I was trying everything from diet pills in high school all the way through calling myself a vegan and a vegetarian. And, you know, it wasn't because I was seeking, you know, some moral compass. It was so that I could look at a plate and say, "Oh, I don't eat that. I'm vegan." Um, so those labels really allowed me to um, further my eating disorders, or my disordered eating. I really like mm -hmm. to say. Um, and you know, I I had tried everything from uh, master cleanse, juice cleanses, and the thing about diets is that if they're restrictive enough, they work. Mm -hmm. but they're never a lifestyle solution. So, 
you're really motivated when you start, and if you give me rules, I'll follow them. So I was a good dieter. And so I would get results I was happy about, but then it was never this lifestyle solution. So I was left upset, depressed, sad, you know, lost all my confidence because it just wasn't this lifestyle solution. So I'd go back to normal eating, you know, mm-hmm. not just living on master cleanse. You tried that. I tried that, yeah. And, you know, it's a vicious cycle. And, you know, I know now that when you're starving the body of nutrients, like it changes everything, it changes the way you think. And I just, I couldn't snap out of it. So I kept going further and further down the rabbit hole until finally I ended up at a retreat in Southern Arizona. And it was 21 days, it was a big commitment. And it was, the first seven days were, uh, was a water fast. So just water, not juice, not anything. Um, And then the following two weeks was all raw food and you're living off the land. And it was 120. So what does it mean like living off the land? Are you going out like, (laughs) you're you're fighting over? You're like picking your food. You know, you're like, like they, you know, they tell you like farming practices and things like that. Um, (laughs) There was abundance, thank goodness. But it was like 120 degrees in Southern Arizona. Yeah, living off the land in Arizona doesn't sound too practical. When I think of like bountiful produce, (laughs) my head just goes to Arizona. Yeah, no. Arizona has the best kale. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) that part of Arizona is actually the same latitude as Israel. Um, which is really interesting. So the the guru there considered it like, you know, another holy land. But, you know, I went and I wanted this spiritual transformation, which I ended up getting just not in the way that I thought. So seven days of water, I got really, really sick. My heartbeat slowed to like a really uh, terrifying beat. I ended up in the hospital and it was my aha moment. You know, it was the time where I realized how willing I was to hurt my body to get this body that I thought I didn't have. And it, it was almost like I, I saw the light in this way where I knew my brain wasn't working at its best, that I had been starving myself of nutrients for so long that I couldn't really think clearly, but it was like the clouds parted for a second. And I just understood that I had been starving myself of thinking clearly, of feeling clearly, of acting in the world clearly, and to my fullest potential. And so I decided from that moment that I never, ever wanted to diet again, that I never wanted to read rules. I never wanted to have a list of good foods and a list of bad foods, that I wanted to get back to a place where, you know, food was information and food was medicine. Um, And I was at the time studying pre-med and I was just about to graduate and then head to med school. And that's when I changed my track and I decided to study nutrition instead. And it was, you know, it was sort of the eye of the storm for Whitney and I were both, you know, hit rock bottom. And we knew it was time to get back to our roots and food as medicine. So Saqqara did not start out as a business. It was really just our own solution to healing our own bodies. And so we started developing a food program. Yeah, I think it's also important to mention your experience working in hospitals, too that you were interning and Danielle was shadowing a cardiologist in a hospital here in New York and seeing people coming in with late stage lifestyle diseases, mm-hmm. heart disease, diabetes, these types of things that potentially maybe if, if somebody had given them more help earlier on, nobody was talking about what are you eating, what, is, what are your stress levels like, are you exercising? Well, also, the doctors weren't equipped to, like, even if you gave them those answers, like, the only tools they're really given, um, especially at that time, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. was, you know, surgery and pharmaceutical drugs. And so I just witnessed, like, you know, all these lifestyle diseases that could have been, you know, prevented if we had gotten there earlier. If someone was, you know, coaching these people through how to deal with stress, how to eat really well, how to make sure you're getting enough sleep. And that's not what the doctors are doing. Um, I think that really shifted my perspective around who is helping people to stay well. Instead of our doctors being, you know, our doctors are kind of there to help us once we're sick. Mm -hmm. But what happens before that? And I think that that, you know, Danielle's experience in the hospital shifted my brain around we need to help people stay healthy, get healthy and stay healthy and provide them with the tools in their lifestyle to be able to do that. Well, really ourselves first. Yeah, ourselves yeah, so, first. We were so, a mess. So what was the idea? So you start at Sakara, like, okay, we're going to create mm-hmm. something for us. 
And yeah. then when in this pro like, was there a moment in that process where you're like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm feeling better. Like maybe there's a business here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we were, we were studying a lot. So, you know, we, we wanted to create a meal program for each other. Um, and you're like, I'm done with every bad diet. And yeah. Clothes. And I was like, I don't want rules. I don't want anything. You know, I don't, I don't want to know what I can't eat. I want to know about all the things that I can eat and I want it to feel bountiful. Um, so we were pulling in a lot of the science I was learning at the time, you know, epigenetics, nutrigenomics, how your environment and your nutrition actually affects which genes are turned on and off. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, really getting back to this notion of food as information. So making sure that you're consuming the types of food that promote healing instead of disease. You know, the study of the microbiome, which we're all fanatics sure. of, but at the time, you know, no one was really talking about it. The importance of making sure you're getting enough fiber, like 80% of Americans don't get enough fiber, and that's the daily recommended amount, but really you should be getting about triple that. So, you know, really thinking about what is the way to eat for optimal health, like what Whitney's saying, so that you can promote healing and really get back to this idea of like, what does it feel like to feel like your best self? Because I think, you know, there are so many fads in diets and they're always worried about your waistline um, or your fat percentage, your BMI, which, you know, can be important markers mm -hmm. to health. But ultimately, I wanted a plan that was going to help me feel like my best self. And that if one of the side effects was also looking like my best self, then awesome. Mm -hmm. So what's next, like what in, in this process? You're awesome. starting to feel better and... Yeah, so basically we started, we were studying these cutting edge nutrition topics like Danielle was talking about. And then also some of these ancient food technologies that we were raised with in Sedona. So looking at Ayurveda, looking at macrobiotics, looking at even Taoism has its own food philosophy. Mm. And we, you know, said these nutrition programs have been working for thousands of people for thousands of years. There must be something to that. And we were cross-referencing them with the new scientific nutrition sciences that we were seeing and started to see a lot of crossover. And we kind of picked out what we thought were the strongest and most important pieces of all of these different food philosophies and put them into what we call our pillars of nutrition. And those are things... So the S-Life Pyramid? Well, the S-Life Pyramid is actually more about our overall philosophy on life yeah that oh. came later okay this was still right, we'll come back this to was, that well, let's come we'll back, come back to, that. to that it's important um but this was still you know our our nutrition philosophy and we, we were trying to figure out what does our day have to look like for us to feel mm -hmm. really good so we created these pillars of nutrition based on eastern understandings of nutrition and spirituality and then also the emerging science that we were learning so it was things like eating your water so mm -hmm. you know we all know we should drink our water but eating your water is actually a really important part. And yeah. you know that means getting enough fresh produce into your diet every single day, yeah, especially this one, vegetables. This one really changed my body and my life. I think we don't talk about water in food very often because it's not on a nutrition facts label. And typically foods that have a nutrition facts label are shelf stable. And to be shelf stable, it can't contain water because water creates bacteria. Right. And, but water is a crucial element in nutrition it is it should be on a nutrition facts label in fact because it's something you should be looking for mm -hmm. um, but eating these hydrating foods changed my digestive system i thought that i was eating really healthy uh, we were eating you know like we said the this ezekiel toast with the coconut oil or avocado toast you know a hundred different versions of avocado toast and we thought that was healthy <laughs> we're eating high fiber cereals with almond milk and raw trail mixes yet all of those things were super dehydrating right they weren't adding more hydration into our system they were taking hydration out in order to do the digestive process and so changing to eating more fresh foods foods that contain 90 percent water content or more. So things like cucumbers and leafy greens and melons and berries that go in and add more hydration into your system completely changed my digestive system. I didn't realize how constipated I was. Mm -hmm. And being regular, um, I know we can talk about this on your radio show. Sure. <laughs> so what, yeah, what did constipated look like? We go to the bathroom like once yeah. every three weeks or three days? Um, or? Even just, you know, once a week is 
is very unregular. You should be going at least once a day, if not twice a day, and that's what regular looks like. It like this is one of your vital signs. Sure. And if you're not going every day, then those toxins are being reabsorbed into your body. And so getting your digestive tract cleaned up and functioning properly is one of the first steps to getting your body back on track and and being healthy. Mm -hmm. And all of our pillars are ultimately associated to the gut. So making sure you're getting enough greens is another one of our pillars. So you get anywhere from six to eight cups of greens when you're eating the Sakara Life every single day. Greens are incredibly detoxifying, they're very hydrating, uh, and they're also really high in plant-based fiber. Dr. Robin Chutkin is a friend of ours um, from Revitalize as well, and uh, she talks about how greens are sort of the fountain of youth, and you know, if you can do one thing for yourself, make sure you're getting enough leafy greens every single day. It's just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, some of our other pillars are making sure you're getting a variety of colors on every single plate, making sure you're getting the sulfurous vegetables, which I know t- Dr. Terry Walls likes to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, getting enough variety in your diet. Mm-hmm. So in our food program, in our delivery system, you'll get close to 400 different types of ingredients in one month and on your plate. Wow. So different types of oils, avocado oil and apricot seed oil and grapeseed oil. Nuts and seeds and, different and superfoods. Nut- and, yeah. You know, we, Herbs and spices. We, we actually make our own greens mix. So we combine all different types of greens and a lot of them um, like nasturtium leaves and things like that, like people just aren't used to seeing on their plates. But so we came up with these pillars and we said, okay, let's start making a food program for each other. So we would have different cook days. So what year is this now? 2011, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I would have a cook day, Whitney would have a cook day. We spent most of our time either in the kitchen or at the grocery store. But we did it for say about two weeks was really when we started to see an insane transformation mm-hmm. um by week four we were just like we knew we were onto something yeah just everything changed for me the biggest change was I felt like I started to get my brain back mm-hmm. I felt like I started to um be able to think more clearly and one of the my realizations was I had been so worried about eating too much when I really should have been worrying about eating enough. Mm -hmm. That if I could just make that switch and start looking at food as medicine and food as nourishment, that my concerns would flip and I'd worry about getting all the nourishment and nutrients I need instead of counting calories and carbs and points and pounds, which all just tell me to worry about which, you know, size I wear. Sure. Yeah, we have so many clients that come to us who are actually malnourished. You know, they, they come to us maybe because they want to lose weight. They want to have more energy and feel better. And they say, you know, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. I don't eat very much. I have a coffee in the morning. I'll eat an energy bar in the afternoon. And then I have a light dinner, a sushi plate, or a piece of salmon for dinner. And we tell them, you're not eating enough. You're right. not nourishing your body. Your body is starved of these nutrients, so it's holding on to everything it gets. Mm-hmm. So flooding the body with, with nutrients is the way for them to actually release some of that weight they're holding on to. So you guys are and, starting to feel great. Yeah, and you know, we're starting to feel amazing and Whitney's skin is starting to finally clear up, like literally after 12 years mm-hmm. of her dealing with this. And you know, I, I think for her, she realized she had a gut problem, not a skin problem. Uh, and Most not, people do. Yeah, and not any none of her dermatologists ever asked about that. No, nobody um, was asking. You know, what are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you stressed out? Are you pooping? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we ha- we started to have like friends around us ask what was going on that we looked different and happier and better. And so we told them. So we started delivering to them. Um, so you're like making the food like out of two your clients. kitchen. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that went on for a no while. Com- no commissary yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. That went on for a while. So then we realized, okay, well maybe this is something. You know, we believe in the power of food as medicine. You know, it's really hard to find not just high quality food, but the right types of food, the right types of, you know, nutritionally designed meals. Uh, And why don't we just start delivering it to people's doors? So we made some marketing cards. We realized we were super broke. So we threw a dinner, we invited a bunch of friends um, and we charged those friends. And uh, we made about $700 at the end of the night 
and we use that to make our own website, to make some brochures. We put them out around, I was living in Williamsburg at the time, and we got our first couple clients. They were some of the producers of that show, Smash. Um, They had some production offices over in Greenpoint. So Whitney would come over to my house in the morning and we'd cook and then we'd deliver on our bicycles. And that happened for probably a few months. Um, Did you have the name Sakara yet? We did. So t- yeah. talk to me about the, the name and the meaning and how that... Yeah, you know, it's funny because I actually hear this all the time from um, new entrepreneurs that finding a name is one of the hardest parts. I think Sakara really found us. You know, I know I can say this to you because you'll, you'll get it, but <laughs> I really don't think that, you know, we thought of Sakara. Like, I think something like a, a plant-based movement had to happen and... You know, we were the lucky ones that got to sort of help execute it and make it so, but um, it had to happen. And so I think that the name just found us. And it's a Sanskrit word. It means uh, with form, so the manifestation of Brahman. So this idea that, you know, you have all these hopes and you have all these dreams in life and, you know, they're kind of just up there in the ether. Do they exist? How do you pull them down into this plane? And so for us, you know, food was really one of the tools we used to help us manifest, you know, our hopes and dreams and best life. And for our clients, you know, it's a tool that they use as well. So helping bring a thought to a thing, and that's one of our mantras is thoughts to things and remembering how powerful a thought is. So the business has come a long way and you guys are doing incredibly well. And We're going to come back to the business, but something you mentioned, which I think is super interesting, uh, we talk about manifestation. It makes me think of intuition. And so Mm -hmm. how do you balance things like manifestation, intuition with with running a business and the numbers and all that fun stuff? When do you you listen to your gut and manifest? And when do you look at the numbers? Well... I'll say that I think when, I think you'd know when to listen to your gut. That's kind of like part of having an intuition. I think that actually the hard part is making sure you're in a space where you can even hear it. So, you know, we have an amazing leadership team. They all have MBAs. They've worked at Bain. They're crunching numbers. They're incredible um, sort of like logistics, operations, HR-minded people. And, you know, Whitney and I are opposite. Like we think of things in this with like a vision in mind, having to think of things sort of top down instead of bottom up. And it's hard not to get lost in their world because you're taught that business is a spreadsheet, that business is making meetings, it is, you know, hitting these numbers. But for Whitney and I, we're on a mission. So sure. the, the, what, what, business means to us is making sure we're acting on that mission, that we're helping as many people as possible understand the power of food as medicine. And so our day-to-day kind of has to look different, but it's hard not to get caught up. You know, we were just going over financial spreadsheets yesterday and creating a model. And, you know, I think as a visionary and, and if that's the kind of entrepreneur you decide to become, you have to make sure that you keep the time to make sure you're tapped into that part of yourself, to that intuitive side that you're, you know, you're, Whitney and I were just talking about this yesterday, that we don't set aside the time for quiet time. We don't set aside the time to go tap in, you know, go to Sedona, really feel those things that we felt when we first started the company. And it's, it's a non-negotiable, you have to. So when I think about leading with intuition, I think the most powerful tool is to just actually make sure you're taking the time to tap in and listen, because your gut is always talking to you so what does that look like for you guys like what do you do on a daily basis to to make sure you're 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 exercising that intuition muscle in all honesty we're kind of in the middle of shifting back to it that we've been kind of lost in ops land of course Um, everyone is everyone gets amazing yeah Yeah. which is amazing also though i mean whitney and i always say like we have 40 mbas now maybe too many (laughs) maybe too many (laughs) um and you know but we've learned so much that it's been such a fun ride but You know, I think we're both feeling like now it's time to get back to what only we can do, which is make sure we're acting on the mission that there's a vision for Saqqara that's above and beyond a model. So what is the vision for Saqqara? And just talk about like what you guys offer today, like where you started and Mm -hmm. then what you offer today and and where you're going. Well, so I think when we saw the transformative effects on our bodies of this food system of our nutrition program, we knew that we had to share it with the world, that 
if people could experience the same type of transformation that we went through, it could change the world. And so we started as that being our first product was launching our organic meal delivery program. And we started, like Danielle said, cooking in her kitchen in Brooklyn and delivering on bicycles. And we built that up you know, on our own organically, one client by one client and then more clients and then press started to write about it. Gwyneth Paltrow became a client and she wrote about it on Goop and then more press started to pick it up. So we expanded and we opened up a kitchen in LA as well. And um, then beyond that we grew and now we ship our, our nutrition program nationwide. And we've been able to you know, service thousands of people. We've delivered over a million meals now. Wow. And are helping people really transform their lives. And I think it does start with food first, removing some of that, like Danielle said, food is information, and helping people to remove some of the bad input, some of the bad data that your body is getting and make sure that you're only getting good, clean information, the right nutrients so that it can function at its best. And then you start to look at what else are you putting into your body on a day-to-day. And then you start to look at what are you putting onto your body. Your skin sure. absorbs 60% of whatever you put on it. And um, what else is in your environment? And what are the thoughts that you're thinking? Can you also start to detox your thoughts for yourself? And early on, we had created this Saqqara, the S-Life Pyramid yep. that you mentioned. And food is the foundation of that pyramid because what you put into your body affects every part of your life. It's feeding your microbiome that determines your hormones, your energy levels, your immune system. Uh, 90% of your serotonin is created in the gut. So your happiness levels and how you interact with other people in the world. So you start there first, but then you know you also need to be balanced in your career, in love, sex, and relationships, in how inspired you are. And all of that kind of leads up to the top of our pyramid, which is take flight spirit and beyond, that ultimately the goal of all of these things that we're doing is to be our best selves, to feel like we're fulfilling our purpose here in this life, and to be happy. And so Sakara started out as a meal delivery program, but now we're becoming more and more a full lifestyle business. We have great functional foods products in our clean boutique. We believe that food shouldn't just be something that you do on the day-to-day, um, but it should actually be working for you. So people are so busy, they hardly have time to eat. So when you do eat, you want to make sure that it's giving you all the nutrients, extra nutrients. So we have um, things like our beauty water that has phytoceramides in it. helps to hydrate your skin and seal in that hydration and moisture, and it's anti-aging, um, beautifying, different products like these. And we'll continue to e- expand out in our product line. I'm still surprised to this day how many people are fine walking around just feeling fine. And I think it's because people don't even know how good they can feel. That there's so much bad information around us, whether it's, you know, you pick up a bag of chips at the gas station or you just grab a Diet Coke because you're in a hurry. Those things, you know, really do add up. And it's not that, you know, our motto is not that you know, those things are bad and you shouldn't do them. It's, you want to think about what are you doing the majority of the time and that that's what really matters. And so there are so many components in that and there are so many components in, you know, how do you feel like your best self? So, you know, as Whitney said, food is the foundation, but, you know, are you sleeping on a toxic mattress? Like what kind of, you know, your toilet paper is covered in formaldehyde. Like there are just so many. Do you have a favorite mattress? (laughs) Um, I'm trying tomorrow right now. And then what's that one in Soho? Coco Mat. Yeah, Coco Mat. Coco Mat's amazing. But, you know, there are so many ways that, um, there are so many like times in your life and and parts of your life that might be getting in the way of you feeling like your best self. Mm -hmm. And I think people are slowly starting to realize that all of these things have a huge impact. So one of the things I love about you guys is your, is the brand you built and how tight it is. And also part of that brand, you know, on one side you've got the pyramid and you've got your leafy greens and your nutrients, but you guys also like to have fun. Mm -hmm. And that's part of life yeah and your best self and and talk to us about that and what that means and we just had a campaign running um that was called eat clean play dirty and i think that that's you know that's one of our mottos um that food should make you feel sexy and that like danielle said you are what you do the majority of the time so 
Majority of the time we try to eat clean, but then we are the first ones to grab for french fries when we're out to dinner with friends and they're on the table. And we like to have a martini, that it's about living your life to the fullest. And that means exploring and, and trying all those things that um, you want to try out there. Yeah, we call it the joy factor, that you know, I don't want to live back in my diet land where sure. there are things I can't do. So what does that look like? I think people always, in some level, just want to like be told what to do. So yeah. and I think like the rub is like, okay, you can't, you know, <clears throat> French fries every night, probably not good. But yeah. is it one night? Is it yeah. two nights? Is it the weekends? Or well, do you feel it out? Like, how do you guys think about that? That freedom isn't just given. Like you earn that freedom. Mm -hmm. And you earn that freedom by, you know, really eating this way the majority of the time. So the only way I feel good instead of feeling guilty or counting calories when I eat those french fries, now I feel good. And the only reason is because I know come Monday I'm back on Saqqara and I know that I'm getting all of the plants, all of the, you know, plant water, all of the fiber, all of the nutrients that I need. Um, and so that allows me the space and the sort of fluidity to move in and out of eating french fries and martinis and then a Saqqara salad. Yeah, we could tell you, okay, eat plants and be vegan for five days out of the week and then on the weekend eat your burger and french fries. But I don't know what your individual body is like. I don't know sure. what your individual goals are. I don't know where your balance point is. And I think that's something very personal. And um, I look at balance as like a pendulum. And that I know where my point is where I like to be. I know where, where it is that I feel good in my body, that I like the weight that I'm at, that I, the energy levels, the brain clarity. And then I can kind of swing from one side to the other sometimes. You know, I just got married in June. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, we went on a mini moon in Paris and uh, we were drinking wine and eating all the different cheeses and the baguettes. And um, well, the I gluten's better over there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, it did affect me. I started right. to feel it. I know that I have a sensitivity to cow's milk, yet I'm still willing to go and eat that delicious cheese. Sure. And I know the effects of it on, on my body. But sometimes you, you know, I, I'm okay with it because it's swinging over to one side on the pendulum, but I know my way back to my balance sure. point. I know I kind of like leave my little breadcrumbs and, and I thought to myself while I'm over there, okay, I'm having a little bit of a breakout. I'm feeling off balance, um, but I know that when I get back to New York, I'll be back into my Saqqara lifestyle and that my body will reset sure. and be back to its balance point. Talk to me about this idea. You know, I think when we talk about French fries or cake or cupcakes or whatever it is, or, or booze, where some people come out with this mindset where it's like there, there's so much angst mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. like they, they tend to beat themselves up. Mm -hmm. So it's coming at it from like, oh my God, I'm, I'm cheating, I'm bad, and, and like, versus yeah. like, I'm going to enjoy it. And talk to me about like how that's so important. Yeah, this it's the thing that changed my life was letting go of that angst. I think we have to stop villainizing foods. And I think it's really dangerous. And I think that, you know, one of the secrets that we, you know, try to get across to people, um, but I, they don't really understand until they understand is that the more you eat this way, the more you want to eat this way. Mm -hmm. So I can say that I, you know, eat whatever I want on the weekends, and I say that with, you know, you know, it's absolutely true. But that's because what I crave has changed so much just because I eat a plant-based diet. So yeah, sure, I'll grab French fries and a martini, but I don't feel the angst and the guilt anymore because sitting down and eating a whole plate of French fries like no longer sounds appetizing. Right. It's completely changed my taste buds. It's completely changed my microbiome. It's completely changed the way I think about food. And what really allowed me to let go of that angst was to stop looking at nutrition labels, to stop saying this is how many calories, this is how many grams of fat, to really get back to eating you know, whole plant-based foods. And then by the time I wasn't, it just felt like you know, a little like speed bump on the road instead of this huge like Grand Canyon ditch that, you know, <laughs> if I dare go in it, I might not get out. Yeah. Who inspires you in wellness? And where do you see mm. wellness going you, right You, Jason. Now? All right, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I'll take it. No, it's true. Um, no, but really, I think what you guys are doing with Mind Body Green is amazing because education, it all starts with the mind first. Sure. Mm -hmm. You have to 
even just making the decision to start eating healthy, you're halfway there. You need to first commit to it with your mind. And in order to do that, I think you have to understand why. Start with the why. Why do you want to start to eat clean? And know that you deserve it, that you deserve to feel good, that you deserve to have energy, you deserve to live in a body that you feel good in, that you feel sexy in. And if you can start there, then it's easier to make good choices. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, there's a lot of functional medicine doctors out there that we that really inspire us as well. We have a science council, uh, and Dr. Aviva Ram is on our council, and she's a friend of ours. And I have we have probably like twice a month have lunch with her, and she's just always talking about the most interesting things. I feel, especially as a woman, that she is so in tune with, you know, what my body needs and, you know, what healing really looks like for a woman's body. You know, she was a midwife for like 20 years mm-hmm. and then went to Yale Medical School in her late 30s. She's just Amazing such a badass. Story, yeah. yeah, and, you know, every time we talk to her, she has some interesting thing to say. She was just talking about, you know, her ordeal in Goop, and she got misquoted on all the the press around that was going around about Goop and how Goop is maybe sort of abusing this platform that they've created. And Aviva said, you know, it's amazing to me that they're going after Goop when, you know, nobody's going after the pharmaceutical companies that are paying so much money to educate you, really miseducate you on the need for these pharmaceutical drugs. These TV commercials that entice you into wanting their drug. Mm -hmm. That's clearly for the bottom line and their pocket. Mm -hmm. So something you mentioned is is feeling good. And I think that's in the DNA of your brand and what you guys do on social media. Like you're having fun, you're going out, you're feeling good, which is which is so new, I think, in this space with regards mm-hmm. to like meal plans, like very counterintuitive to what everyone else does, where mm-hmm. it's like, here's an image of someone with a tape measure around yeah. their gut, <laughs> and here's a calorie, and yeah. you guys are out having a good time. And, and like, talk to me more about like why that's so important to you guys, and like, and how you think about you know your brand, Whitney and Danielle, and Sakara Life, and and how you think about that, and why that's just so. Mm-hmm. You clearly like put a thought a lot about it and put a stake in the ground. Like we're going to be about like having fun too. Well, isn't that the goal? Like, isn't the goal to live your best life, yeah. to feel good, to be happy, to be free? I think that a lot of people get caught up of the goal being the process, right. like achieving a certain number on a scale. But what is that number going to do for you? Right. It's like, why are you losing weight in the first yeah. place? Yeah. Like, what do you, we always talk about that when people come with, you know, how many calories are in your food? I want to lose weight. Or, and it's, we always ask why, mm-hmm. you know, it's always, okay, but why, what are you looking for? And usually it's, um, you know, I want to feel really good. You know, my husband and I are having issues. Like I don't feel sexy. And it's like, okay, great. We'll help you get there. Like, we'll help you feel sexy. We'll help you feel like your best self. But stop trying to pretend like it's based on your five pounds. Stop trying to pretend like it's based on, you know, all of these outside symptoms. Really feeling like your best self starts from the inside out. It doesn't start with, you know, like you're saying, the measuring tape. Those are all outcomes of doing the work to feel like your best self. Mm -hmm. And so running a business, you know, you guys, how many employees do you guys have now? 80. 80. So that's, that's a lot of... It's a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people. people. So what... A lot of mouths to feed. What, <laughs> what keeps you up at night and what has you excited in the morning? Well, this is actually linked to your last question too. One thing that I've... It's kind of keeps me up and then gets me excited in the morning. You know, that plant-based is definitely a movement. Right now when we started Sakara, people were like, what is... what?" Is plant-based like mm-hmm. are you vegan just like tell me what you are <laughs> and now you know especially in this community it's you know this term is used all the time it's definitely a trend and so people ask like oh you know are you worried like there's more people doing plant-based stuff and the answer is no and one we're really excited that it's a thing because we don't have to be the only ones educating people on what it means but also people can use plant-based just like they use paleo, just like they use Weight Watchers, just like they use Atkins. They can use it as a diet. And our mission is so much bigger than, you know, helping you get on a diet. Our mission is to help you feel like your best self. And so 
really our goal is this longevity play that we're you know we're steady we're always going to be here we're always going to be here telling you you have the right to feel like your best self you have the power to heal your body if you don't know what your best self feels like we'll help you discover it and to really free people of this need to follow rules this need to just hop on to trend because i was that person so i can really relate to what that feels like and it's like we're going to help you stop the train fix a few things and go on a new track if you want to keep going on your old track and just like hop from diet to diet then we're not the people for you and so when what i think keeps me up at night is thinking about you know what are all the ways maybe missed opportunities that we can help you feel like your best self that maybe we're not acting on we're not acting on quickly enough and there might be other people coming up but then what wakes me up in the morning and I'm so excited is that we are on this mission and I think our mission is probably purer than 90% of the other companies out there and that when something like plant-based and organic becomes a trend unfortunately you get players in the field that maybe aren't looking out for people's health so mm-hmm. I think that the people that are holding the torches, like you guys, like us, that are saying, no, we're actually looking out for your health. We're not you know, just looking out for the top and bottom line, um, that you have to find those people and you have to you know, create like-minded communities and you know, continue to hold the torch. Yeah, we actually go out, we develop relationships with our farmers, make sure that farming practices are actually organic. We source the highest quality ingredients, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of work and make sure that each meal is nutritionally designed. We work with chefs from all over the world who have worked in Michelin-starred restaurants, who come with you know, fancy culinary backgrounds, French Culinary Institute and things like that, who were used to cooking with butter and cream and big pieces of meat, and then they want to use those skills and and their education around flavor combining and flavor profiles to then work on healthier foods. And, you know, the recipe process for us is really long and complex. Sometimes it takes up to six months for a recipe to actually go into our menu and onto rotation. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of work and we really care about it. And I think it's important to kind of get that word out there around which wellness brands really are authentic and care about your ultimate well-being and which ones are just hopping on a trend sure. and to be careful of of who your guides are out there in this world so your business all businesses have their unique challenges that are complicated in some ways and in your business like delivering food and it's, delivering food oh nationwide God, I, I can't organic, even imagine fresh. Uh, and so have there been moments in your journey where you guys have been like okay, we're over, like, oh, I yeah. can't do this anymore, I'm uh-huh. ready to give up, like that dark night of the soul. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially early on, I mean, when we started talking about, you know, our plan to, to build Sakara, people were like, nobody's going to want healthy food delivered to their door, like, that's absurd. Um, and so there were a lot of times where, you know, we'd be up all night, you know, from... 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the kitchen making food and then 7 a.m. the delivery guys are supposed to come and two of them don't show up so then we have to go deliver to clients and then we have to meet clients with like kale in our hair and um, looking disheveled and then you know spend all day answering customer emails and it was still small enough where we didn't know if we were on to anything but we were exhausted and you know not sure if it was going to work not sure like if this was ever going to get even a little easier uh, and i think that's one of the great things about having a business partner is that you know luckily whenever i lost all hope whitney didn't and vice versa and so you know you could say like look i don't think we can do this like what are we doing i don't want to deliver you know another kale leaf um, and she'd be like you know this is our mission remember and so, and that we've been through these times before, mm-hmm. and that it gets better, and, yeah. and that you know, then a little light shines down on us, and we'll get an email from a client talking about how when they started with us, um, they were battling with either an autoimmune disease, or we've had clients that have written us emails about living years of trying to get pregnant and dealing with infertility, and then they're having a baby and these types of stories that just blow our minds Mm -hmm. and remind us that this is much bigger than Whitney and Danielle that this is 
a mission mm-hmm. and that we have to continue on the day-to-day to provide this service to people, that there are people out there who need our, our help and need these tools and this education that we give them um, and that we're providing it in service. I also think that uh, we would have done and still, but especially early on when it was just the two of us, like there was no question. People were going to get their food. They were going to get responded to. Like, you know, the website was going to be up. We were going to do this event. Like we just were all in. There was never a question of, there were sometimes like low points, of course, we wanted to give up. But, you know, we get a lot of questions from um, new entrepreneurs about, you know, was it hard? What does it take? And I'm like, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. <laughs> like, it's absolutely the hardest thing. And if, you know, you are willing to go all in, if you're willing to, you know, hold the torch of certainty um, against all odds, and then, you know, then there starts to be little gleams of hope uh, that it will get a little easier. But early on, I mean, we were, I, I think we were one really lucky to have started it at a young age because if we failed, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It How wasn't. How old were you guys when you launched? You started. 24, 25, 26. 25, 24, 25. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, you know, if we messed up and it was over by the time we were 27, we felt like maybe there was a way to get out of that. Um, but ultimately, we just felt like there was never, there was no way we couldn't make it. And I think when you give it your all, then your odds of doing well are that much and better. The, and you guys have raised capital and, and two female entrepreneurs raising capital, like, Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's real. I always say I didn't know I was a female entrepreneur until I started asking men for money. Um, that you I thought, always thought you were just an entrepreneur. Yeah, I thought I was just an entrepreneur, right. but you know, it's different, and it's something that like Whitney and I don't talk about a lot. But it's been it's been hard. We've been really blessed to at this point have a group of of investors and institutional investors that really believe in us that we've never had like an inkling of of doubt or thought that there was anything other than full confidence in us but there have been many times where we're in meetings and you know inappropriate things happen and you know, you you kind of don't even you you kind of don't even realize that it's inappropriate at the time cuz you're in it and you're pitching and you're you know, and we're two blonde women, like that kind of, um, I guess, flirtation happens everywhere. So sure. wouldn't, would it be weird if it didn't happen in a pitch room? But it's, it's real being two women asking mostly men for money. Right. I mean, we have only a, a small handful of female entrepreneurs and it's not because we investors. didn't try. Yeah. Sure. Sorry, investors. And it's not because we didn't go after them. Um, it's because there aren't, there's more and more, but there still aren't many female partners in VCs these days. Yeah, and we we definitely talk about as a business that, you know, it's not just female investors' duties to invest in female-run sure. companies. It's also female-run companies' duties to go out and seek out female investors to give them the opportunity to make investments in good businesses. Mm-hmm. That it goes both ways. It helps you have tough skin, though. It really sure. does. Like Whitney and oh, yeah. I. We're, we're very sensitive, um, both of us, and I think the past, I'd say particularly three years is when we've been raising money. It teaches you to have tough skin, like you can't take anything personally, you know, even the flirtation, like it's not really about you, so even when they say yes or even when they say no, you can't take it personally. You have to be willing to sit at the table and do your best, and if someone's in, they're in, and if they're not, you know, they're sure. not. So what is it? do you think about the both of you and maybe it's easier if one does the other that like has made you who you are and successful and and like those key ingredients for for building a great brand and business like Sakara like maybe you, and sometimes people don't like talking about themselves mm-hmm. so maybe you can talk <laughs> about each other um so I would say that Danielle pushes the boundaries that uh one of the rules that she made for us when we started was there are no rules that we have to question every rule that we think society has put up for us, that um, you know maybe they say in the business books is right or wrong, and to do things our own way. She likes to make people feel uncomfortable, to get vulnerable, to get weird. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that that has helped 
you know, to push me to be more of my authentic self, to be more comfortable um, shining my light out there for others, which I think creates a strong connection between a brand and your customer. And so definitely her like ability to to just push the boundaries has helped Sakara. Thanks, Whit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say, you know, Whitney and I are different. Like I'm mercurial and fast and like to change and and Whitney is really strong and steady. So even when things get wild, get crazy, when I have doubt or when other people on the team have doubt, um, she knows how to tap back into this source that sort of makes everybody feel like everything's going to be okay. And it's because she knows how to start with the little things. So if there's a big problem, she'll start you know, tackling the outsides and then she'll move in and then you know, before you know it, the problem is solved. Um, or we've come up with an, a way to get there. And it's because she's patient and steady. And I think especially as an entrepreneur, it's such an important quality because things move so quickly. And if you're not, if you don't know how to tap into that slow and steady, then I think it's really easy to lose yourself. And so what do you say to aspiring entrepreneurs out there who are like, I want to start something or, or any advice? Well, one is you have to love whatever it is that you're doing so much that It's like your child. You need to watch it every day, take care of it every day, spend money on it every day. (laughs) Clean up up the shit every day. Yes, totally. (laughs) Babies are expensive. They poop everywhere. They need to be fed. They cry, they scream. Oh my gosh, yes. Ellie's easier than my buddy Green sometimes. Oh my gosh, it's so true. She is amazing. Love her. Um, But it really is your child and you have to be willing to sacrifice other pe- places in your life to dedicate that time and energy and focus and resources into your business. Um, so you have to love it more than you love some of the other things in your life. You have to be, be willing to um, give it your all because you get out exactly what you put in. Mm-hmm. I always say there's, I think there are a couple types of entrepreneurs. I think there's ones that, you know, want to build the business for the sake of building a business but then oftentimes the ones we talk to are the ones that want a passion that want to feel like they're living their passion and I know I said this on the stage at Revitalize but I think the most important thing is that you have to find something that moves you mm-hmm. you have to find the thing that you know you feel so compelled and so moved that you have to go create it uh, and oftentimes, you know, people sit around and they think, what is my passion? I'm like, no, 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 you don't find your passion. Your passion finds you. You know, we didn't know, like at the time, food was, we always say uh, we turned our mess to our mission. So at the time, food <laughs> was my enemy. There was no way I wanted to spend the rest of my life talking about it to people, um, talking about it every day, you know, writing emails. Same with my skin. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to see it. I would cover it with makeup. Hide. Yeah. It's like you have to be willing to put your deepest, darkest sort of version of yourself up on the stage and you have to be willing to get vulnerable. Like I had never talked about having disordered eating. I'd never said anything like that. I didn't even oh, know that I shouldn't re- talk about those things, Danielle. Yeah, I'd never <laughs> even know I didn't even know that I had it. Especially because it was kind of normal to be on a diet and having that realization, realizing that I had so much healing to do. And then realizing that because I had figured out how to heal myself, that then that was my mission to help other people figure out the same or have the same transformation. So where do you think wellness has come so far? Mm-hmm. You know, just to look at the, the growth yeah. of your business and, and, <laughs> and our yours. business. And, and <laughs> so, like, where do you see this going in, like, three to four years? Like, what, where do you think wellness will be? Well, I think we have to be careful. I think that it can be characterized or caricaturized, caricaturized, where it can turn into like a cartoony thing where it's, yes, exactly. Where, you know, people are, you know, meditating on a rock, eating kale instead of um, really like taking care of things or being thoughtful. Or I think there's a lot of press around you know, is wellness just for the wealthy? Sure. So I think as, you know, leaders in the wellness community, all of us have to be careful to not let it go down that route. It has to be inclusive. It has to be um, soulful. It has to be truthful. 
And I, I hope that it's not a trend. I hope that, you know, like I was saying earlier, I hope that plant-based isn't just this, this other diet fad that people try and then fall off of because they were too strict with it. And, you know, for us, it's certainly not. And so I think that the wellness community has to be careful that it's not a, a trend. And for me, I hope that it kind of answers that problem that I spoke to earlier with the hospitals, that uh, maybe we can reduce the number of people that need to go into hospitals by giving them the tools and the knowledge and the information to stay healthy and to stay well and to stay balanced before they need to make it into the mm-hmm. cardiac, yeah, the cardiologist sure. office. Yeah, and you know, hope that there's that shift, that it's not just like a blip, that there really is a shift into this understanding that, you know, power is within and, you know, the choices you make every single day are your power. So what you eat, who you surround yourself with. Um, and, you know, I really, I guess I just really hope that it's the shift toward that and it isn't just this trend that says, you know, it was cool for a while to meditate and now it's gone. Yeah, it's like a diet just now isn't a detox yeah, and that's it. exactly. Because, you know, I think Juice Cleanse definitely had that. So, yeah, I hope that, and it feels like, you know, we were just talking before we did this podcast with you, that it feels like things are shifting. Mm -hmm. It feels like people are more willing than ever to talk about the energetic body or, you know, versus the physical body that, you know, there are more and more doctors that I know that are willing to talk to me about my stress levels or even my childhood and how that plays into my health. Mm -hmm. Even my mother who, you know, has been in and out of the hospital since I was a kid with various things. You know, she is just starting to get to this place at 70 uh, where she's starting to understand that her thoughts impact her life, that she's been so stressed out her entire life, and it's been all because she decided to be stressed out. You know, she'd let the fact that the napkins didn't match stress her out. Ruin her day. Ruin her day, and just realizing (laughs) that all of those choices along the way impact your health and vitality. So I think that that's powerful, and I hope that the shift stays. Yeah, and I really love this shift that's happening in the medical community. You know, we have a science board, and Dr. Raphael Kelman is on it, and he is coming out with a new book around the gut and brain connection and how what you're eating affects your brain chemicals. And so I think that there are so many people out there in America, we know that there's an epidemic going on with opiate addiction, and people also are living on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and it you know people coming out then with alternatives mm-hmm. that looking at diet to help you with these types of issues uh, looking at your thoughts and your feelings and not trying to avoid them and suppress those feelings but working through them and finding real solutions I think that's really powerful yeah and I think that comes from really building a community you know like, when did it be, become not okay to be sad every once in a while? Like, when did it become not okay to, you know, have those types of thoughts and Since feelings? Instagram started. Yeah, no, it's really true. <laughs> I, it's actually really true. I read somewhere, sadly, that, like, teenage suicide is, like, up 400% or yeah. something oh like gosh. that. Anti-anxiety um, use yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's a big part of what we're doing with Sakara is, creating a community of like-minded people where, you know, we can talk about those types of things and, you know, we know that we're doing the things we need to do to feel like our best self so that when we don't feel like our best self, it's okay to talk about it. So do you have any wellness pet peeves? (laughs) Wellness pet peeves. Hmm. Can you give us an example of one of yours? Do you have one? (laughs) Uh, Well, I've shared this with you and I've said this before just because you work in wellness doesn't mean oh, yeah. you don't work hard or oh, man. it's not like we hang out and meditate and do yoga all day. Yeah, right, Jason. I just saw your meditation room. <laughs> I meditate once a day, yeah. either at home or there. Right. I know. But I don't, that's, I don't that's spend def- more than like 20 minutes in there. Yeah. No, that's definitely one for sure is we get all of these uh, resumes of people that are like, yeah, I'm sick of working so hard at the bank. So I thought I'd go into wellness. And we're like, what do you think we do? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely one. I'd say another, I don't know if this is a wellness pet peeve per se, but something that I've experienced where I get really excited about certain workouts and I go in and I'm, you know, working out like crazy, like I'm an athlete, 
but then I won't work out for five days and then I'll go back to it again and then I, I end up injured. And I think jumping on these like crazy workout trends can be really dangerous. You know, that really kind of peeves me that um, people don't, people aren't talking about all of the ways that athletes actually take care of themselves, doing mm -hmm. the foam rolling, and they get sports massages and these types of things. And so I was just trying to hit it the hardest I could. Like, okay, if I just do these workout classes, I'm going to have abs like that girl on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then I end up with a hip injury and needing to go into rehab for it. And yeah. I've learned so much about my body through that, but you self -care. know, self-care, needing to look at the whole picture, not just go after one piece of it. I thought of one other one. I, it's really bothering me that the trend is going like toward personalization. And it's not because I don't think personalization Ooh, yes. is important. It's because I know that everyone, like you, first you have to, it's really um, exciting to think, oh, this is my personalized diet, this is just for me. But really you have to focus on the base first. Like you have to get 90% of the way there and mm -hmm. then the 10% is personalization. Your entire life is not personalization. If you have a slight allergy to strawberries, I can guarantee you that then if you go eat vanilla ice cream instead of strawberry ice cream, like it's going to have an equally bad impact on your <laughs> life and your body. So the goal and what we talk about a lot is just build this foundation, like eat well most of the time, get up to that 90% where 90% of your time you're doing these types of things for your body. And then you can fine tune, like fine tuning happens after you've done sure. the work to build that base. Yeah. If you're going to wash your car, you shouldn't start by taking a tooth brush to your headlights like you need to to wash the entire car first nice like, analogy wit thanks so last question if you could go back and give yourself advice when you were first starting Sakara in your mid-20s what would that advice be write everything down <laughs> my husband told us that too and we didn't do it yeah um I think when you are first starting you have a lot more time and space to tap into that intuition to that source of truth and knowledge and you feel so passionate and excited and a lot of the what we do today is based off of what we created on that day one but now we are managing our our staff of 80 people and delivering to thousands of people nationwide and delivering you know dealing with delivery logistics and coming on to podcasts and tv shows things like that podcasts are easier than delivery logistics <laughs> yes yes and more fun <laughs> that's yeah, for way sure more fun. <laughs> but you know to be able to tap back into that place that we were when we very first started like that would just be amazing and it's so helpful and so in that moment if you can write down everything what is your vision what what is what are you hope for your business in the long run um, what are your belief systems what is the culture you want to create all of these types of things um, you'll use it forever mm -hmm. I would say there was such a long time where we were working so hard and I think I would tell myself that there is balance in the universe and you get what you give and so you know, there were times where we were just working so hard and we kind of forgot why. So I think I'd go back and just remind myself that there is balance and, you know, because you get what you give that, you know, you will eventually reap the benefits. Amen to that. Thank you so yeah, much, Whitney thanks. and Danielle. Thanks Sakara for having Lawrence. us. It was so fun. Thanks, guys. Yay.